This episode is brought to you by Not Alone Co. It has been such a pleasure for us at Not Alone Co. to create our little Not Alone community. We want to be able to utilize the messaging on our apparel in order to help facilitate tough and meaningful conversations with your loved ones. Community, conversation, and vulnerability. This is a journey and mental health isn't a battle to be won. We at Not Alone Co. are here to remind you that you are never alone and it's okay to not be okay. Use code NAC10 at checkout for 10% off your order, which helps us donate portions of the proceeds to various mental health charities and foundations. That's code NAC10 at checkout. We love you and you're not alone. And welcome back to another Speak Your Mind episode. I'm going to throw my two cents in right away. Um, I'm going to get this out of the way. There's been a lot of drama in the pop culture world. There's been a lot of frenzy, a lot of feuds going on. I don't know where Riles is at, but I'm Team Selena all the way. Okay? I love Jay Beebs. I love him. He's great. But Selena grew up on Wizards of Waverly Place. Just an awesome girl. Don't know her personally, but she looks like she's great. And... (laughs) I got to go Selena, man. I, I don't know. Like, I know, I think, you know, Kat, my girlfriend, would probably be able to offer some some more light on this current feud that's going on. But from the uh, from the surface level of what I've seen, it's it's got to be Selena always. So I, I don't that's know where you're... This shows our age different time because, one, I don't even know what you just said about Wizards of a Waverly Place. Is that what you said? Is oh, that, yeah. You didn't grow up show? on that incredible TV show. See, I didn't even know that. Is that that's kind of what pushed Selena Gomez to like is that where she started? I would say that's where she started. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, I don't I we we had some push from our from our team and the people in our corners here to talk about the subject and I had no idea <clears throat> what we were talking about. So I had a little bit of background and it seems to me I'm I we agree just some just a classic case of internet bullying which is not that's not a good thing, man. <laughs> it's an epidemic, it seems like. So, yeah, just not 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 very nice behaviors by a girl, uh, Haley Bieber, and and whichever Kylie Kyrie Jenner <laughs> is that her name, Kyrie. Well, we obviously agree on that topic, but we're going to go into a topic that we do not agree on. Um, this is a feud that will last a li- like lifetimes, I think. Personally, Michael Jordan versus LeBron James. Now. LeBron just got the all-time points record. I get it. Woohoo. Whoop-dee-doo. Awesome. I am still Team MJ. I don't like I I know I didn't grow up in the 80s and the 90s and you know I didn't grow up with Pippin and and MJ, but after watching that documentary, I'm a big uh, you know, you got to carry your team to su- su- success and I think MJ does a way better job at that. I, I I don't know. I don't know where you're at, but yeah, I'm Team LeBron all the way. I just like one. I felt like the 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 doc was a little bit of like MJ propaganda. I respect MJ. Obviously, MJ is unbelievable and whatever. But and I and I love the pop culture behind him. Like I think that's really cool. Like there's an aura about him, and 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 that part's really cool. But. To me, I just I know LeBron can come off a little bit cheesy at some points and 
sometimes the way he interviews, I don't agree with, but from what I gathered is, is what he does for the, for, for the game and, and beyond like for kids and his university, all that stuff. And then even just like, seems like he's a well-liked teammate. I don't know. That's just something that goes a little further for me. I mean, it is, it's a tough debate, but I'm team LeBron. Okay, so I just had an absolute panic because a car alarm is going off outside and I live in the Arctic and I, for some reason, have my window open at night. Uh, oh, yeah, my, my room is 11 degrees, it says on the uh, te- thermometer there. So uh, it's good that Cat can also sleep in uh, ice cold temperatures. But I agree with what you're saying. I think LeBron does a lot for the game. I think, you know, his personal, you know, it can come off a little bit at times of, I don't know if it's arrogance or whatever. Well deserved. I mean, he's one of the best, not the best. Um, <laughs> but it's weird, you know. You're in. You're you like Chicago. I I would have pegged you for a Chicago Bulls. Like I would have. I don't know. I'm also a big Jordan guy, and I know you're getting there, and we'll get you there. But I I'm a big Jordan's guy, so I think my love for Jordans I probably does sway me to the MJ side of things just considering that he's created I don't think there will ever be a sneaker collection yeah that part I love I, I mean I love I love sneakers and that part I think is super cool I don't it's it's like crazy actually to think about how that has just to, like it, it's became such a focal point in fashion and and culture and music whatever it is so that part I think is is pretty sweet but I'm when I'm on the court and from a personality standpoint, as a teammate, we got a we got a heckler in the background. I think saying Team LeBron. Whoa, 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 whoa! Slater, I know his hey, team. Buddy, can you tell us? Hey, come here. Okay, so Haley or Selena, and then MJ or LeBron. LeBron, hey buddy, LeBron, LeBron James or Michael Jordan? One for LeBron. Two for. <laughs> Number one. Wait, that's one. And then what do we think? Team Selena or oh, okay, Team Selena. You didn't even have to yeah. hear the other option. Yep. Awesome. Okay, I got Slater on one side of the token there. Um, but anyways, welcome back. Um, we have a beautiful another episode lined up here. Uh another episode powered by the amazing team at Torch Pro. My name is Tyler Smith. That's my great co-host from uh where are you in switzerland beal switzerland beal bn switzerland riley shayan um today we had the pleasure of bringing on jeff lavecchio jeff is probably just a guy that you just want in your corner you know like those guys that when you're fighting or like whether it's boxing or mma and you got your guys in your corner that are just hyping you up i feel like jeff's that guy and you like want him in your corner because you know he's gonna do whatever you whatever he possibly can to help you. And I think he's got an interesting path an interesting journey, especially in hockey and like the foundation of hockey and you know what he had to do as a player of his role to be able to get to where he is. And now transitioning into, you know, just helping other people and helping athletes and helping get people to the next level, not just on a basis of, you know, pure strength and pure deadlifts and pure squats. You know, he, he's a very technical guy that likes to, create new avenues in sports. And um, I really enjoy just, you know, his perspective and the way he looks at the training side of things and the way he looks at, you know, the off ice development. And um, yeah, what'd you think, Ralph? Yeah. I mean, he's, 
uh, he was he was great. I, I think as a hockey player, you want to have your your personal trainers. I mean, he even said it. You can turn kind of into your life coach. You spend a lot of time in the gym, and it, it always helps when you have a guy in there that can motivate you, can um, read you, and and give you what you need. And um, he seems like that guy. And he he's had a great career. He's a, he's a cultured guy playing in different different areas and different countries. Um, even just his captaincy at, at Western Michigan, we spoke about that. Like a sophomore captain, I think it was like that's a pretty impressive like you must have some natural born leadership skills there. And um, what I like too is his, his perspective on the game of hockey now with kids playing so much year round. And we talked about the importance of just being athletic and, and having fun while you're working out, I think is another big thing. So that means mixing in other sports, mixing in some, um, some throwing, some catching, some, some different skills to kind of keep your body moving forward, keep your body healthy. And I think all that stuff can translate onto the ice. So, um, yeah, we hit on some good topics and really interesting guy, a really uh, raw, raw guy, motivational guy, like you said. And um, yeah, it, it was a great podcast. And before we hop in, you know, we got to pump the social media, our new tune Tuesday. If you want to see a guy just dominate a segment, <laughs> I mean, come follow because it's just been pure domination lately. I'm beginning and... to question our musical taste <laughs> of our listeners. <laughs> um, might be like five years older than the average <laughs> our instagram speak your underscore underscore mind um <clears throat> we always love to hear from you guys if you guys have any ideas about you know what to do next or you know new segments i mean we always love to incorporate our speak your mind fam so please um if you have anything but either way come follow come get in on the new tune tuesdays especially and we love you all and please enjoy this episode with the the man jeff lovecchio what's going on where are you are you uh you're st louis yeah i'm in st louis i uh just got home from the gym sorry i was rushing home here oh, i uh yeah i'm in st louis like uh 20 minutes outside downtown maybe maybe 25 nice yeah nice yeah, where are you guys at well i'm out in switzerland um <laughs> oh sick yeah beal beal bn that that's kind of yeah biling so beal bn um i've only been here for like two months or so so yeah how's it uh, going been, it's been good it's it's been uh very different um i left buffalo i was like we i was under contract there we terminated my deal so i just needed a change and i needed to kind of get out of the north american lifestyle and hockey and just kind of relax a little so came up here and it's been good lifestyle is great we got a little boy so Watching him grow up, I'm getting more time with him, which is most important thing. And then hockey's kind of been a little difficult, but um, yeah, yeah, we're, we're I've been hurt for a while. I've I I got some hip issues, um, and then it's just like the the schedule here. I'm I'm assuming it was similar when you were in Europe. The schedule here, like I got here, played two games, break, played three games, hurt my hip, played uh, Christmas. So it's just I've never really gotten to be get into it so it's been a little bit of struggle that way and i'm not performing the way i want to but i mean it is like i getting the chance to live in this beautiful country and and experience yeah. totally different so it's been uh, is that uh is that the is that the, the a or the b league a yeah a. yeah that's all i got offered in the b league but i was already on the plane and i'd already accepted a contract offer when i was leaving my team from austria i was so 
fucking pissed because <laughs> you know that's that you get over that like i was trying to get to switzerland so bad for me it was like can i get to swiss b because like i you know i wasn't good enough to be in swiss a especially not like just signed there like maybe i would have had a chance if i would have went to swiss b it'd be that to rip it up like a couple years before you get a shot yeah. so i was like all right the place i could probably make the most money is swiss b or japan and I didn't get Swiss B, but then that next year I got Japan. So I was, uh, for me, that was the most like I was going to make in my career. So other than, you know, NHL and signing bonuses and shit. So, um, yeah. but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's how many games have you played? I've only there? played eight. <clears throat> I've been here for yeah. two and it's, a half. It's like every, what's so interesting too, is like every league over in Europe is like a little bit different style of hockey. Yeah. So it's like. And and did you go over like after the season started here in the U.S. too? Yeah, like, like you played, were playing in the I U.S. I played a hand, handful of games over here, and then that was. I mean, I re- I probably regret doing that because like we have our guys, like all of our imports right. are. I mean, a lot of them are our best players, and um, right. It's just it's the way it is. I love it. The guys are great. Everything's great, but it's just uh, yeah. Just like learning that game. Like I think it kind of – it's definitely hard because I switched leagues. So like I played in Italy and then Norway. Um, and then Austria and I was leading Austria in goals and points and like the contract negotiations between my agent and, and the team. And, and it got fucked up with the coach. He was like angry how much I was asking for. And I don't know why my agent was talking to the coach. He had nothing to do with that. So I wound up while I was leading the league in goals and points, like sat out a couple games and I, cause of this fucking contract dispute for the next couple of years. So I wound up going back to Norway in the middle of the year. And like I ripped up Norway and then I went to Austria and I was doing really well there. And I went back to Norway and it was really hard to play in Norway the second time because the style was so different than Austria that I was playing all season. And like, since every league is different, like it's so goofy, like the different, like just like little differences, you know, you got to get used to and shit, but you'll you'll, you'll fucking get it, man. You'll fucking crush it. Yeah, no, it's been uh, definitely eye opening, but it's been awesome. And, and like I said, like, my son just turned one. He's 14 months old, actually, now. But I get so much time with him that I wasn't going to get yeah. to North America. Yeah. And I just, yeah. I've seen so many things I think that a lot of guys miss out on. So um, I'm thankful for that. So, so that's it's good, really yeah. cool. Really cool, yeah. man. Love to hear that. Good for you. Yeah. Ty, why don't you kind of give your background and we'll get going? Yeah, absolutely, Jeff. It's uh, obviously a pleasure to have you. Um, so I'm from Calgary. Well, I currently reside in Calgary, Alberta. I uh, grew up just outside of Edmonton and uh, was involved in the Humble Broncos bus crash from uh, 2018. That, so um, yeah, obviously life's been uh, quite a little journey over these past five years, but uh, definitely found myself in the I guess somewhat of the mental health space and um, I don't really like to consider myself a, you know, motivational speaker or advocate or anything. I'm just kind of shooting the shit and telling my story at the same time. So um, yeah, I mean, I, uh, we're, I think we're both looking forward to today and, uh, and you know, the I guess the, even just like the gap or not the gap, the relationship between the, the mental fitness and the physical fitness and, and kind of what you're offering. So why don't we kick things off Vex? And um, so I mean, we talked a little bit about where you played before, but, uh, you know, I guess what was your favorite place? Oh, uh, not not counting the U.S. or like anywhere I played or just kind of overseas once I left the U.S.? Well, the overseas ones are very enticing. I, I hear Japan, so I would love to hear a little yeah. bit more. And, uh, and it, uh, But, yeah, I mean, really- I guess 
overall best plays? I mean, I, whenever I got to play, I got to play seven preseason games with the Bruins. So obviously, yeah. like that was dope. I mean, like that 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 was the dream. That was what I always worked towards. Um, you know, I signed my NHL contract uh, with the Bruins as a free agent after my junior year at Western Michigan. I left school early. And uh, that summer, I got a bad concussion, like a really bad one, and uh, I missed a year and a half of hockey. I thought I was never going to play again. So for me, playing those, those, thinking I was never going to play again, and turning down four hundred something thousand dollars tax free for like a, a insurance payment, without knowing if I'd ever like really be able to keep playing, like I didn't really know, and I, I kind of took that risk, that gamble. For me to get seven games in the in the NHL preseason was was like it was really really cool for me, you know. And I got my fucking jersey here, and, and uh, there's people who'd be like, oh, like, jersey in your office, you didn't play a regular season game, but man, like the how hard it was. Even if I didn't have that concussion, for me to even get to that level because I wasn't that good <laughs> coming from St. Louis when I did, like for me to get that man, and it, it meant a whole lot to me. And then you add the concussion on it, and, and all of the tough times that I went through with that. Um, that was really special to me. But other than that, I get this question a lot. Like, where, where was your favorite place to play? And, and I divide it into two categories. Like, where are you talking about like life and hockey or, or like life and like living and all that stuff? Cause every country is so different or like more like, you know, the hockey side of things and like where you're getting paid well and stuff. But, um, I played in a town called, it's hilarious. It's like 700, uh, letters, Sekish Fahervar, Hungary. Uh, yeah. Sake, they say it's Sekish Fahervar and, uh, it's right outside Budapest. It's in the Austrian league, even though it's a team in Hungary, that league's when I played in it, it was probably like eight Austrian teams. And then it was like four or five teams kind of right outside Austria and like, Italy, uh, Hungary, Czech, um, Slovenia, Slovakia, kind of dependent on the season. And dude, I love living in Hungary. Budapest, I, I've been to a lot of cities. I've been all over the world. Budapest, by far one of my favorite cities I've ever been to. Um, so I think like living that, that would probably be it. But like living in Japan, dude, have you guys been to Japan? No, never. I want to go. Dude, it's, <laughs> dude, it's like, it's like, you know, the US, Canada, very similar. Like you walk around on a street in Canada, you walk around the street in the U S you're probably not going to know which, which country you're in. You know, there's a lot of European countries where you can tell, you know, cause of the older, you know, buildings and stuff, but like, it's still, it's very Westernized dude. You go to Japan and it's straight out of the twilight zone. Like it is, <laughs> it is a lot different. You got, you know, I went to that robot, robot di- uh, dinner thing. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that Google it. It's, it's unbelievable. Um, but, uh, Really interesting though, man. Japan is interesting because there's so much respect in that country and like little kids will walk like five miles to school by themselves, by themselves at like (laughs) seven years old and no one will touch them. No one needs to worry about them. Like nothing bad will ever happen to them. And so it's like, whoa, like that's, that's pretty cool. But you know, you see differences in society and stuff, but I'd say Japan was one of the coolest places I lived. And then I, I loved my time in Hungary. What's their relationship like with hockey there in Japan? In Japan, um, yeah. nationwide, it's not a huge sport, but the people that are in hockey, it's just like anywhere else. They're obsessed with hockey. Like yeah. every town or every city, you know, that it, that league was actually, it, when I played in it, it was, it was called the Asian League or like that's what, it was like Asia League Ice Hockey, A-L-I-H. Um, and uh, it was actually four teams in Japan. 
uh, three teams in South Korea, one team in China and one team in Russia. So like, dude, I got to like be in China a lot. I got to be in South Korea a lot. I got to be in this one city in Russia quite a bit over my two years in the Asian league. Um, And then obviously all over Japan and they're really trying to grow the game. And what's really interesting, man, is I talked to so many guys who had played in that league before and asked them, you know, like, how is it? You know, do you get paid on time and all that stuff? And they're like, yes, it's Japan. You get paid probably before (laughs) they're supposed to pay you because they're so (laughs) respectful and stuff. Right. And and you're never going to get shortchanged. If anything, they'll overpay you there. Um, (laughs) But, but um, you know, they're, they're really trying to grow the game. Like I said, and, uh, when you step out on your first practice, dude, they're the fastest hockey players I've ever seen. <laughs> they like, like I was only good because I was, I was fast and intense. I, I didn't have a lot of skill. I played my head down, you know, whatever, dude, these guys were so fast. The first practice, I was like, is this, is this better than the NHL? Like what is happening? But, but then you, you get them into a game and, and they're real, they're good and they're skilled, but like they haven't had the same coaching that we've been afforded and they don't, um, if they had that, man, they'd be churning out NHL players. I 100% guarantee if they had great coaching from when they were young, they would be producing at least a fair amount of NHL players per capita. Um, they just don't have the, the coaching over there. So they don't, they're not great with like time and space and stuff like that. Yeah. Like we are manipulating it over in the US and Canada. But like, dude, you watch a practice or you skate with them and you're like, these are the fastest MFers I've ever seen. Uh, But yeah, living in Japan was awesome. Very cool. Uh, Riley and I talk quite a bit about, well, just with him moving, you know, we chat quite a bit about culture and everything. And uh, my girlfriend and I did a Eastern Europe swing. We did Prague, Vienna, Linz, and then Budapest. And I couldn't agree more like that Eastern Europe, like that core. It's, I mean, the people, the culture, like everything. And I think this is what leads me to like while you're in the U S and while you're in Canada, I mean, it is hockey, hockey, hockey. I'm not saying that your life is completely devoted to it and you don't have time for anything else. But I think even with Rouse right now, like getting over there and being able to like challenge yourself to like, you know, immerse yourself a little bit into that, that culture and like how they live. What did you most take from, I guess, I mean, J- Japan's a, a whole different ballgame, but like even the Europe aspect, like what did you most take? Not so much, you know, hockey and, and, and the community around hockey in those places, but just like the lifestyle and like the headspace and the mindset they live with. That's a great question. And, and, and you know, I learned a lot from every country that I was fortunate to play in and live in. Um, and, and man, it's so different. So the first year I played in Italy and like I had a ton of people visit me that year. And I lived in this like wood, like everything was like handmade wood in this, this flat that I lived in. And it was like, people would come to me like, Oh, it's so beautiful. And I'm like, yeah, but try and sit on that couch for six months. <laughs> like, it's, it's not that beautiful. Yeah. Um, but, but um, you know, it, Italy, everybody, and I think the food was better in Hungary, which everybody's like, what? And I'm like, I'm Italian, dude. But yeah, the food was better in Hungary than it was in Italy. Like, like visiting Italy is awesome. It's not a place that I would live. Sorry if there's any Italians listening. Um, visiting and living in places are very, very different. And like living there for like, you know, six months, eight months, nine months. Um, but I honestly, I'd actually say 
my perspective on the world, on how good we have it in North America, on uh, so political things, all really, really changed by living overseas. Uh, I don't take living in the U.S. for granted at all. I don't take the uh, the Constitution for granted at all and what that affords everyone in the United States after living in some of these places. But honestly, the, the biggest things that I took away were living in Japan. Um, and I think the most important was that like, it doesn't matter what your role is in society in Japan. It doesn't matter if you're a janitor making the least amount of anyone in the country, that janitor shows up to their job every single day and they put in a hundred, they put in literally 100%. Their goal is to be the best janitor that has ever janitored in their life. <laughs> right. And, 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 and I saw that throughout all of Japanese culture. And we traveled all over the country playing games in different cities and stuff to try and grow the game while I was there. Um, and, and that was something that I was like, damn dude, like they, they literally take pride in everything they do. And this is like a really little thing. Um, but I talk about it all the time is, you know, I lived there for two years for eight or nine months a year for two years. I never once went anywhere in public where you're in a public bathroom and there was piss on the seat ever. Yeah ever no public bathroom was dirty like no public anything was ever dirty ever like they take pride not only in themselves in their institutions in their teams like all these things like like there's there's a self pride a community pride a country pride that they have that um really affected me in a positive way and it's something that i've tried to really like preach coming back to the u.s and like dude you go into any i don't know how it is in canada or even switzerland for that matter but like you do you go anywhere any gas station nice restaurant there's gonna be piss all over the seat it's like what and it's such a little thing but like it's it's a big thing you know switzerland's similar to that but it's crazy to hear that because of the population difference between switzerland and japan like switzerland there's only eight million people so you can like one of the things that's obvious in Switzerland is his salary is higher. Average salary is, is really high. So people have incentive to go to work and they have incentive to, to do their job the way that they should. But when you, when you're talking about a country, that's one of the biggest in the world. Like that's, that's enough. I feel like that's a whole nother culture thing in terms of like what you build and, and what you expect of people, you know, I think that's really yeah. cool. Yeah, but that's good yeah, as, as a strength it was, it was coach, like to be able to take that, you know, like I, I, I'm, I'm reading this book right now. It's called The Last Lecture. And he talks about it's He calls it a head fake. And obviously we know head fake as go one way. You're thinking about going the other way. Right. But his way of, of putting the head fake into a, a life lesson is you learn all these things while you're doing one thing even though your focus really isn't on that. And so it's funny, like you talk about that, like you're, you're playing. I think that's one, one thing that sports does so well is, is you're put into competition, you're put into all these events where you're focused on winning, you're focused on getting better, but you're learning so many other life lessons along the way. And sometimes it takes you a while to like, to actually like light bulb moment. Oh, I learned that while I was training. I learned that while I was playing. I wonder, is that something like you, you focus on? It's hard to like preach that to the guys while they're training, but I think there's ways of like, of training, like push, 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 push 
that you you in your head you're like okay this kid's gonna remember that down the road when when uh he has a kid and his kid's giving him some trouble and he needs to kind of navigate through this the right way or whatever does that make sense to you yeah, one hundred percent. There was a lot of those little details too, like the fans. You know, I don't know if, if how it. I know that like in Switzerland, there's some teams that have unbelievable fans. I'm not sure how it is where you are, but when Europe, not Japan as much, but Europe that I, you know, even on my team in Italy, Norway, especially my team in Hungary in the Austrian league, dude, the fans were the best there. They were like the soccer fans in Europe, and they're so passionate and they cared so much, and and it just like. That really, like, when I left to go overseas, I was like, okay, like, not that I didn't enjoy my career, pro career in the U.S., but, like, I was so uptight. I was so, like, not always myself, even around the coaches, because, like, I I was always beat into me, like, respect, respect your elders, respect your coaches. Like, I didn't really let my guard down like I was able to in college and my last year of juniors, and then especially when I went overseas and pro, to, like, be me in the locker room and be me around the fans and stuff. I really gained like a really massive appreciation for the people that support hockey. And like, if there's no fans in pro hockey, you, you have no job. Like there's no money coming in, you know? Like, so, so like it really made me like, especially in Europe too, like they, they need the fans at those games too, because they don't have these huge companies behind all the teams or these huge billionaires or whatever behind some of the teams. So that gave me a, a different perspective as well. And it really like made me go out into like the fan community a little bit more for each team I played on and like really enjoyed, you know, yucking it up with the fans and having fun. And, and that's something that I try to impress upon my guys too. like sign every single autograph. And especially I'm retired now, you know, nobody's ever going to ask me for my autograph again. You know, mm-hmm. like that's a special thing. You work your whole life as a little kid, hoping somebody wants your autograph one day. And that sounds like a big deal. But it, when you stop and think about, okay, how many, billions of people in the world live their life and not one person ever asked them for an autograph for real. And you got people asking you every Friday, Saturday, Sunday night, like, you know, having an appreciation for that. And then, you know, that's gratitude and that gives you perspective. And then I think that lets you play harder and smarter when you have that, you come from a place of gratitude and appreciation too, you know? Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. I think it's easy to get like, um, I mean, I've never been personally in a pro sport position or a pro athlete position, but believe it or not, I have signed some autographs after some public speaking engagements. And I always <laughs> ask the kid, like, do you really yeah. want me to sign this? But I think it is easy to it is easy, easy to get complacent about it. You know, it is easy to be like, okay, well, I don't need to sign this. You know, I can just keep moving on. But I mean, those small little impacts you can make. And I mean, impact, I think. You've said it and you maybe weren't the, the, you know, the crazy goal scorer, the top or the fighter at all times, but like you are a big personality and you are somebody that obviously made an impact and Riles, I know, wanted to touch on this, but like even being a captain at the college hockey level, I think that's something that, you know, goes without saying that everything that you have in you has been instilled in you from the start. Can you talk about like that foundation and like, I mean, even that we'll talk about the transition from, you know, your, your pro career to now doing what you're doing, but you can still see it and you can still feel it even through, through the screen that you have a passion for this and you want an impact no matter what, you know, environment or or sport you're playing or whatever it is. So, uh, I mean, yeah, touch a little bit about like that foundation of who you are. Yeah. I mean, 
I think that it started for me at a young age. I was a captain everywhere. I, I, I told you I missed my whole first year pro, like technically my contract. My first game back in the AHL after I was the last cut from NHL camp after missing a year and a half, um, I had an A on my jersey in the AHL. Like, like I, I was a captain everywhere, everywhere I played. And that actually started at a young age. I, I still remember the game where I had this like switch flip. I My first year playing AAA was in seventh grade, man. And I played one to two shifts a game, like not a period, like one to two shifts a game. I was the 12th forward out of 12. Luckily, I had really fucking, aw- I don't know if you cuss on this podcast. Sorry. I have really <laughs> <Never>. awesome parents. <laughs> I really awesome parents. And uh, they weren't the type that would go and talk to coaches. They were like, well, if you want to play more, you go ask the coach what you need to work on. How can I serve the team better? How, what do I need to do to be a better me? Bring a notepad in there and write down what they say and then work on whatever they say. Um, and so that was, in, that was in seventh grade. And then every year from then on, I just took it upon myself to like do more work, work a little bit harder. Smarter came a little bit later and that instilled confidence in me. And then I also found that when I was doing that, if I could bring a guy with me, not only am I like, now it's it's fun to like work out with a buddy or a partner or a teammate. And then also like he's pushing me to be better. So by me, like pushing somebody else to be better, pushes me to be even better. And so it's like, I was like always bringing guys up with me. And I, I remember specifically this one game at this rink here in town where I, I kind of took over the locker room in between periods. And I, you know, I got the guys going and, you know, I took over the radio and I did all this stuff that like, you know, used to be like quiet between periods, guys weren't playing music. And I was like, turn the music on. I put, I remember what song I put on. I got the guys going. We went out there, the boys, were riled up and we came back and won the game and from then on from eighth grade on it was just like okay I love helping other people like reach their potential I love helping other guys get like just a little bit more out of themselves then I also realized that if I was going to be the guy who's going to do that I also had to walk the walk if I was going to like push everybody else to be better so like it also forced me by me putting myself purposely in an uncomfortable leadership position starting at a young age, it forced me to be out front. And I knew that if I was out front, I better fucking walk the walk. Like if I'm going to do this, like I have to take care of my own backyard too. And that just constantly pushed me harder, further, you know, all that type of stuff. And I think it starts from my dad. He's an entrepreneur, um, has been, you know, almost all of his life. I watched him grind. I watched him support our family. My mom is a great mom, a great mom, uh, watching everything she did for my sister and I, while my dad was off grinding, working and stuff that, that instilled a lot of those, um, qualities in me. And, and like I said, uh, you know, now, now in my life being retired, like especially, especially because I I didn't quote unquote, make it like, obviously everybody's goal, make $10 million in the NHL. I didn't do that. So a, I got to work, you know, I have to work. Um, but because I didn't make it and because of something that happened when I was in juniors, my second year, I had a, I had a teammate and a friend. Um, he pretty much died in my hands in a car accident. And, uh, you know, that was really hard for me at, at 18 years old, he died on my birthday. And, uh, he always was saying all the time, uh, his name is Phil Todd. He's a great guy. He was always saying like, I'm going to die before I'm 30. I'm going to die before I'm 30. He always say that. And, and he, he did, he died at 19. And, uh, honestly, that was something I always felt too. I could never see my future. I could never see past like hockey. I could never see having kids. I could never see being adult. Um, so that was something I stopped saying 
when he did pass away because he said it all the time, but it made me like really, really live in the moment every day and try to get the most out of every single day. Because, you know, you get a friend who dies in your hand at, at 18 years old, you, you realize sooner than other kids that like, whoa, your time here is not guaranteed. And so that coupled with my injuries and, and, you know, the population I work with every day, I just want to lead others to like do everything they can to maximize their abilities. Because I know for a fact, like, you know, time could run up at any moment. And, uh, that's, you know, the concussion thing that I had happen was like such a freak accident. All my dreams are coming true. And then all of a sudden, like I have this thing happen where I can't even be in a grocery store for four minutes for like six months and, you know, working out and playing hockey was my life and I couldn't do either. And I didn't know if I was going to be like that the rest of my life. So I was like, fuck, if I come back from this and I'm able to like exercise again, let alone play hockey, I'm going to, I'm going to like squeeze every drop out of everything, every single day I'm alive, no matter how long that is. And I want to empower others to do the same. And that's what I try and do in my life, in my gym, with my clients on social media is just remind people of that. Nothing's guaranteed. Wow. Yeah. Jeez. That's unbelievable. How like, do you find like how to formulate this question? Like I got a few in my head, but like the consistency part of that, like there's days that are just hard to like there has to be days that are hard to wake up and and there's like there is a big role to be the raw raw passion guy right like when you're at the gym like it's your part of your job is to motivate how do you like navigate through those days where you just have to like is it to put your head down and battle or is it like a is there reflection time you have or like, what do you have any like modalities you rely on? Like, what do you go to? (laughs) (laughs) Lots and lots of coffee. (laughs) Um, I mean, yes, that is a part of it, but, um, uh, a couple of things like, so I start every session now for the last two, probably three years, probably three years, probably since COVID start every session with the guys like we have some warm up stuff and some hand eye stuff they do as guys are trickling in rolling all that when i start my session i usually have about 20 guys in each group all day long like i, I usually train 100 to 130 guys a day in the off season and um we start every session with everybody laying on their back and visualization and i walk them through a visualization and while i'm walking them through that like even though i'm talking and i'm leading it and they're all there with their eyes closed like i'm i'm also doing it in my head like where do i want to be where do i want to be in 6 months where do i want to be in a year what does that look like how do i get there how do i need to show up right now for this session to get to where i want to be and i'm visualizing in 6 months in a year in 6 years um visualization was something that really changed my career after after my teammate passed away i was, I was given a, a sports psychology cd that i used to listen to before every game on my cd player that's how old i am the old, walkman. old balls <laughs> the wraparound yeah, walkman, man. Yeah. yeah exactly 100 <laughs> yeah. and yeah. if i jogged if i jogged too hard in my warm-up i'd have to pause because the cd was skipping yeah. just old balls loose skin gross um but uh so visual visualization is one um also, man, like, like, like I said, I have, I, I just like, I fucking love helping people get better. Yeah, yeah. I have a massive chip on my shoulder. Like I said, at the beginning of the show, I'm from St. Louis. When I grew up, I didn't know anybody who, who I didn't know anybody personally that played division one college hockey. I didn't even know what the OHL was. I, I won silver sticks MVP in uh, Sarnia 
And I came home. It was my freshman year of high school. I came home and I get a call on, on the first day I was back. Hey, this is Sarnia Sting. We want to draft you in the first round. Are you interested in coming playing for us? And I was like, what's the Sarnia Sting? They're like we're in the <laughs> OHL. And I was like, what's the OHL? Dude, we had no, you know, there's no yeah. internet back then or like barely internet. Phones didn't have internet. I had no idea that I knew one guy who signed an NHL deal, Cam Jansen. He was only a year older than me. So like we were really, we were always skating together. So like that was the only person I knew. We didn't have a bunch of guys coming out. Um, so I had a chip on my shoulder that I wanted to help St. Louis hockey. And I've been doing that since I was 17. After my first year of juniors, I came home. So like one, I have a massive passion and a chip on my shoulder that I want St. Louis to just produce hockey players. Um, so like that every day, that drives me. Two, I feel like because of my concussion, I didn't get to fulfill my or maximize my abilities and my potential for something that was out of my control. And I don't lean on that like, oh, poor me. No, I'm like, well, fuck that. I couldn't do it. I'm going to help others achieve, whether that's getting a scholarship, making the USHL, making more money in the NHL, AHL, pro, I don't care what it is. But like every day I have a chip on my shoulder, like I better help other guys. And also like, I feel like if another guy has a goal and I know all their goals before every off season, we go over those. If I know that they reach their goal, and even if I helped 1%, man, that fills my fucking cup more than anything out there. Yeah. Because I wasn't able to fill my cup in the way that I wanted to with my hockey career. So yeah. that's massive for me. I wasn't kidding about coffee. I drink a lot of coffee. <laughs> and uh, and music. Music really affects me on like a deeper level than most people. Yeah. I could be in the worst. And so like I also know like just like I've learned so many tricks to like beat the bad days. I have bad days too, but like I, I think about my goals. I visualize where I want to be. I think of, I practice gratitude. Where was I? Where, I, you know, I've been through a lot of hard shit in my life relative, you know, to other people. Um, um, and, and I think about those and I just like, I don't let myself feel bad for myself ever. All right. You're tired. Well, guess what? I could have been born in Ukraine in a war right now. I'm fucking in a gym with a bunch of division one scholarship athletes who are looking at me to help them get better. Like, shut up, Jeff. Let's go. Let's get them going. You know, I put on some sick tunes. I slam some coffee and I get the boys going. Right. And so, um, like, obviously everybody has to find a different way to get through those times. Um, but for me, gratitude, um, uh, visualization, breathing techniques, massively important. That's helped me a ton. Uh, and then music that like I feel, I don't listen to, I feel that always helps me. Ty, yeah. I know you're going to ask about the music. Well, I know I would love to get into the music. <laughs> like we'll definitely get into the music at the end of the episode, but I actually really want to focus on youth hockey. I am fortunate to, you know, coach some 11 and 12 year olds and I've done a fair amount of speaking to high schools and to, you know, that age group. And, and it's so interesting because I think that it, at least in Canada right now, it's the constant debate of, you know, should kids be doing other things? Should kids, you know, not engulf themselves with hockey all summer and spring long? Should kids, you know, should we be preaching these messages of mental, you know, fitness and mental well-being at an age like this where they, you know, they can retain it and they can, you know, put – so. This is a, a wide scope. This is a broad question, but where are you at with that? Because I know like even I'm, I'm only, you know, how many years out of that age of hockey and 
I really enjoyed playing lacrosse in the summer. I really enjoyed playing golf in the summer. I really enjoyed other things. Now, don't get me wrong. Maybe if I would have engulfed myself in hockey, I'd be doing some stuff that maybe my buddies are doing right now and still playing. But where do you find, you know, where are you at with that? Bro, tee me up, okay? I love this. <laughs> tee me up, okay? If, if I don't know if you guys have ever watched my off-season on my Instagram. You probably haven't since the first time we're meeting. But I, I put what I do with my guys from NHL, college, juniors, you know, midgets, kids down. We play multiple sports in my gym every single day. I, I create games with um, constraints on them using soccer balls, lacrosse sticks, basketballs, footballs, uh, um, spike ball, like as much as we can because of exactly what you're alluding to is that there's too many kids playing hockey year round. Dude, you listen to Wayne Gretzky, best player of all time. I think Sidney Crosby's best player of all time. My guy, my guy. But dude, I, I think he is. But okay, whatever. Gretzky's one. You can say Crosby's two, whatever. Like, dude, they played Gretzky's always said, play other sports. Like everyone, I, you know, I have a podcast with over a million downloads on hockey called the hockey think tank podcast. What's up? Check it out listeners. Um, and uh, shameless plug. And, and uh, we talk about this specific topic all the time. You know, we've had on guys like Adam Nicholas, who's, you know, uh, uh, with Montreal and he won a couple cups with the steel and USHL about how he steals from basketball all the time and soccer and implements those things into practice and also off the ice. Dude, I do this stuff all the time because from a biomechanical standpoint, just from like a basic level of understanding, skating and walking are not the same, right? Like skating, the way that that movement is for our hips, it's not natural. And that if you look at the rise in hip surgeries in amateur athletes, it's just up and up and up and up. And that's because of multiple factors. But I think the number one being year round hockey, you've got to get off the ice. You have mm-hmm. to, all right. You've got to like rehab your body from being in these positions that are not natural yeah. for us. You're not supposed to be bent over like this over your stick, you know, for how many hours every week, week after week after week, you've got to combat that and, and you know, get back into healthy posture positions and strengthen yourself. And, and then on top of that, um, you know, something like for me, I stopped playing all other sports after sixth grade. And when I reintroduced on my own into my own training, when I turned pro, I started training myself. I didn't have a trainer anymore. I trained myself. Um, and I started doing basketball, soccer, like bringing them into my workouts, running around and dribbling while looking around the room and trying to read signs. So it's like, that looks goofy as hell, but like, what am I doing? I'm working on my coordination while I'm moving. Uh, I'm trying to use my eyes to find things around the room. It's all things that apply to hockey without having to be on the ice, which then also means you're not paying a billion dollars over the summer because hockey's so freaking expensive, which drives me insane too. Um, so long-winded answer, which I do a lot. Yes, kids should get off the freaking ice in the summer. Once, if I think tryouts should be at the end of summer personally, so that kids can get off the ice for a while, play multiple sports, get in the gym. The kids who are going to get better because they're dedicated are going to get better and then come back and do like three week ramp up to tryouts and then have tryouts. I think that would make way more sense. People wouldn't have to be crazy. They could play other sports. It wouldn't get in the way of these stupid summer programs that are just money makers for guys who used to play and they're trying to make money. So they put kids on the ice all the time, even though they don't believe in that stuff. You know, I think a camp here or there in the summer 
totally fine. Go with your friends, have fun. But if you're on the ice three, four days a week, all summer long, you're going to burn out. It's going to lead to most likely increased risk of injury. Um, and you're doing a whole bunch of stuff that's that's not going to help you in the long term as well. I love that. I, I love that. And I think there's one, I, I'd like to add one more thing to that is there's like a social part of it too that's different, which stands out to me. Like, I think we all know like hockey players are very, very similar, right? Like you, you have a lot of, you have a similar passion, you get personality traits, you even talk in a similar way. You kind of, a lot of guys are from a similar type of household and, and things like that. And what what I noticed, like I grew up playing basketball till 10th grade or till ninth Sick. grade. Same thing. I played lacrosse. I played soccer. My dad was a phys ed consultant. So he was always bringing home all the different phys ed equipment from the schools and things like that. So sports were just a big passion of mine. <clears throat> but one thing I noticed is like on the basketball court and on the bench, guys were totally different than what I had experience in the hockey locker room and it just allows me now to be more flexible with the type of people that I interact with and people have like different social backgrounds different parents and you know and it's just like it adds to your like almost like you can be more sensitive like like talking to people and you can be more educated talking to people so I think that's such an important thing and and an added on element to what you're saying it's just like sports can bring you so much good from like athleticism but like also a social aspect to it that i think sometimes goes missed you know what i mean dude i love that i absolutely love that something i talk about a lot too and and the dynamics of every locker room in different sports they're always different every sport is different i just i just got finished working with uh two nfl athletes and a division one receiver um over the last four weeks and it was just those three in my gym because like this isn't my busy season right now so i was able to work with them and, and i absolutely loved it completely different gym yeah. atmosphere approach um you know learning like how to light their fire versus a hockey player's fire coming into the gym and a lot some of it's the same some of it's different but um you know i work with like 98 percent elite hockey players so to work with a different population um was really really cool and it was cool to see the difference in the approach and the energy in the gym and how they how they do things differently how they talk how they walk like everything and just mm-hmm. yeah you're you're so right man if you're exposed to more more situations more populations more everything when you're younger you're going to be more empathetic when you're older you're also going to be a better leader you're going to be a better follower because you haven't just led one type of group you've had the ability to lead multiple types of group groups you have the ability to follow in multiple settings multiple socioeconomic settings multiple uh, uh personalities you know and so the sport of hockey is going to end for everybody at some time. I don't care if you're Sidney Crosby and you played 20 years in the NHL or you're me and you played 10 years pro all over the world, or you're somebody who finishes after high school, hockey will end and you're going to need to do something with your time after. Mm -hmm. And the more experiences you're exposed to when, when you're in these younger ages, the better off you're going to be in hockey and more importantly, out of hockey, which is going to be a longer period of time over the course of your life. Yeah. What do you, what do you notice about like when you were playing, like, like even just being like, I, I, I assume you're a fan of like Torch Pro, right? Like you've had some involvement with the stuff that they're doing. Um, Beauties. When I look at when I played as a young player, like in Detroit, I was like the teammates with like Todd Bertuzzi and Dan Cleary, like Zetterberg. These guys were like my idols growing up. And like, I think about like 
experimenting with something like Torch Pro back then. And I don't know if it's something that I would have had the confidence to do because I, I, I didn't ever like, I thought I'd ruffle feathers trying to put my personality out there, but there's this shift now. And, and as an older guy now, like I, I think if I saw a young guy doing it in the right way, in a respectful way, in a way that's offering assistance to youth or to a certain group of people or whatever it is, I'd be so pumped for them. But it's just, it's something that I I didn't have when I was younger. Um, I guess like looking back at your your pro career and when you were growing up, like how how would you have perceived that and how do you perceive it now um, now knowing the power of just putting yourself out there and allowing people to get to know you. Yeah, man, this is something that, you know, I do a lot of, I do a lot of reflection in my life. Like every day I, I, every session guys leave the gym before the next group comes in. I'm like, could I've done something better? Could I have, did I get the most out of every guy? Like, you know, just constant reflection because I feel like that's, that's how you get better. And, and honesty with yourself too, like not, not sugarcoating it, like, like not being, a, not being mean to yourself either, but just like constant reflecting. So I always look back on like my career and stuff like that. And I had so much more fun playing hockey professionally when I went to Europe because I was myself. I, mm-hmm. I, I did every interview that was asked. I'd go out of my way to do interviews. I'd go out of my way to interact with fans and, you know, you know, I've been retired five or six years now. And like, even, you know, so like 10 years ago when I'm halfway through my career, there were some guys who were like, Oh, like Bex is out there, you know, whatever. And, and, and I, maybe I was like that when I was younger, but I just, I think the thing with my teammate passing away, it really changed the way I look at things. I was just like, dude, we, I could die tomorrow. What? I'm not going to go have fun with the people who are paying my salary out there. I'm not going to go, you know, uh, uh, what, uh, sh- shake some babies and kiss some hands with the hands and, uh, <laughs> because I'm worried about what some boner thinks about me. Like, no, I'm going to go be me. And, and what, the more you are, you, the more fun you can have, the better you're going to be. Um, but this is something that I really harp on with my pro guys and my college guys is that like, like, you can use social media for a lot of good. And it's not just mm-hmm. social media, but like by putting yourself out there, you can do a lot of good, man. Like I think about when I grew up, there was only one player that came back and skated with us as younger players. And he made the biggest, one of the biggest impacts on my entire trajectory of my life. And he only skated with us three times. He's now an assistant coach in the NHL. Um, he was playing at Union College at the time. And he came back and he put, I think he put his gear on for one practice. I'd never seen a college hockey player. And he came back and he'd stop the practice and tell us, hey, try this when you're doing this. And I was just like, this guy's so cool. And, and he gave back to us. He took time out of his break to come skate with us a couple of times. And I looked up to that so much. And I was like, I want to be that guy. I want to help the team behind me and five teams behind me. And I want to help St. Louis hockey. And he made such a massive impact on my mindset to just like not care what anybody says and just go out there and help, you know, the the kids coming up after me. And I've just taken that every year. And then through leadership roles and stuff like that, I've pushed that envelope. I've gotten more comfortable putting myself out there. I've got, because, because once you know that you help one person, it's like kind of addicting. You're like, man. And I also, also selfishly, I look back and I'm like, I wish I had me when I was 14. 
Yeah. If I had me when I was 14, I would have been so much freaking better by 15, 16, 18, 20, just working on things that I help my guys. Like a lot of people in the gym that, that, you know, are strength coaches, performance coaches, they only focus on the gym. It's all about the gym. You come in, you work out, you leave. It's like, dude, like I played 10 years pro. I was a captain of a division one team as a sophomore. I was the captain as a sophomore. Like I can offer more. So I talk to my guys about how do you talk to coach? How do you talk to agents? How do you email a USHL team? If you're in the null and you want to move to the USHL, what do you do after a bad practice? What do you do after coach shits on you in video for an hour straight? You know, what, what do you need to do to get back into a positive mindset? What do you do in this situation? What do you do in this situation? Like, I try and help them as much as I can. And, and I think that, and that's something that I impress upon all my guys. If you can go back and speak to a kid's team, like go do it, go do it. I, I bring kids teams in when my pros are in there and they don't even know, they didn't used to know it's coming now. Like some of them asked to do it and be like, Hey guys, you know, this is Trent Frederick in the NHL. This is Chris Weidman. This is so-and-so whatever, like ask them any questions you want. And like those guys enjoy that now. So like, I think that with, with the, uh, invention of social media and, and people seeing the power of helping others. I think that it's becoming more and more um, acceptable. I think putting yourself out there is more and more acceptable. And I also think like from a business standpoint, like Paul B. Sinet, like obviously he doesn't do it the way that, that, that I do it. Like nobody has to do it the same, but like you see the power of putting yourself out there and what it can lead to. You yeah. know, I think that that changed the game for a lot of people and you can do it in any way you want. You can do it like you guys, like helping players with their, their mental health and their mindset and things like that. You can do it with working out. You can do it with branding yourself. You can do it with all these different things. And, you know, I always say to myself, if I'm not doing it, somebody else is going to. So w- why shouldn't I? And I just right. stopped caring what anybody thinks about me that doesn't like me. Like I know who I'm helping. I know I'm helping and that's all I care about. Yeah, it is. A, yeah. I think it all comes down to like even just like harmony and like balance and like being able to, you know, it's it's not like you got to do it every single day and put yourself out there and get out there. But like, you know, take those opportunities and seize those opportunities and understand that, you know, even the smallest amount of impact can lead to, you know, so much so many benefits for that individual or whoever it may be. Um, the gym, I think a gym for, a, you know, an athletic person I know that when I'm starting to get out of my groove and starting to, you know, not feel great, it's because I haven't been to the gym and it's because, you know, I haven't got a, a sweat in and move my body. And, and I mean, like you said, 98% of your, your people that are coming into that gym are elite level athletes. I think in some respects, there is still an intimidation with a gym and there is still, you know, this is still a, a place where, you know, you just want the best for yourself, but it is hard at times to get there. What is the atmosphere you're trying to create? What are the values you're trying to instill? What, like, what, what is it about your particular gym that you hope that when that kid goes home to his parents at the dinner table, you know, that's what he can express about the gym. It wasn't just about, you know, doing a bicep curl and a couple, you know, lunges and then, you know, come home. You know, what, what is it that you're trying to create with this team? Like you said. For, for me, um, when I started training, it changed my life. Uh, I wasn't – nobody would have ever guessed that I was unconfident, but I was definitely not like in, you know when I was middle school, beginning of high school. Like I was 
I'd go to parties and I'd sweat through like four shirts, like, cause I was like, I had a little bit of social anxiety, you know, and nobody would know that unless I told them. And like, I, I was very skinny growing up. And so like my family, it wasn't really like outside peep forces. It was more like my family would like chirp me here and there. And so that would make me like a little bit uh, less confident. And once I started, uh, I got injured my first year in juniors when I was 17 in the USHL. Um, and I tore my groin off the bone and, you know, they didn't get me an MRI looking back. That was so stupid and cheap of them. Um, so they just told me to work out my upper body. So I worked out my upper body 93 days straight, didn't take a day off, like the same exercises, like every day. Cause you know, didn't know what I was doing. Um, but I came back and I built so much confidence off the ice, which translated to confidence on the ice. And like confidence in life, confidence walking in a room, like not because like I was confident I could go in there and beat somebody up. Like I just was like more confident, but because I put in work that that sweat equity that I had to earn something like you can't buy being in shape. You can't buy muscles. And I'm not talking about bodybuilder being huge. Like you can't buy that 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 peace of mind you feel after you smoke yourself in the gym and you know that you got better. You can't buy that. It has to be earned. You have to put in the work to do that. And so it builds a lot of confidence. And so for me, like that's something that I'm constantly uh, uh, impressing upon everyone who steps through my doors. Like, I don't care if you're level zero or you're level 10 out of 10. Like you're going to put in a hundred, not 99, not 90. Like I think most people think their hundred is actually like their 80 or 90. And that it's probably even less than that. They probably think like their hundred is their 70, right? Like, no, we're going to put in a hundred. And that doesn't mean you just run around like a chicken with your head cut off. If it's a recovery day, we're actually putting intention into our breath with our movement, with, with, you know, our visualization, we're putting intention behind everything so we can squeeze every last drop out of however long you're in the gym. I have this massive hand-painted sign uh, in my gym that overlooks a window that looks at the rink where all the guys skate after they they train with me in the summer. And it says, what is your why? And every single day, every guy, I'm hitting them, read it, read it. Don't tell me, tell yourself, why are you in here? Why are you in here? Because also like, I, I don't need them in the gym. Like I get a line of hundreds of people who wanna be training with me. And I'm like, if you're not giving everything to yourself, to yourself, not to me, don't work out for me, work out for you, then I don't want you in here because I know for a fact that the, the, the worst thing any athlete or person can have in life, I think is regret. And, and, you know, I'm sure you guys both know players who are 30 years old, sitting at the bar, drowning in booze, talking about if I would have just this, I could have been this, if I would have, oh man, I could have been, I could have been, I, I should have been, man, you should have seen me. It's like, no, bro, you ate chicken wings every day and you went to the gym once a month. No, you didn't put in the work. And they know that deep down. And that causes depression, that regret that they didn't give their all. And that is a speech I give to everyone in my gym almost every single day. Never live with regrets. Spend it. Do everything you possibly can today to get as good as you can today. We'll go to sleep, recover. We'll do the same thing tomorrow. We'll go to sleep, recover, do the same thing the next day. Because all our goal should be is to make you the best you you can possibly be, try to reach your maximum potential so that you have no regrets in life. And along that journey of doing that day in, day out, year in, year out, you're going to learn so much about yourself. You're going to build so much self-confidence. Nothing will ever be able to tear you down. You know, if you got a bad game, a bad week, whatever, you know that you can do things to build your own confidence, to build yourself back up. 
But if you're not doing those things, you're a less confident person, you're less resilient, uh, and you're me- you're not as mentally tough. So like, it's a whole lot of things all in one. But like for me, the gym is more important mentally than it is physically, or equally as important. Yeah, that's uh, I I think it's a good lead into this question. I I it's it's a touchy subject I think for a lot of people, and even like for us, like we like to preach like compassion and understanding and um each people's has like if you've had trauma if you've had different life experiences that the kind of structure the way you are but there's like a especially in sports there's like a there's a push 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 and feel good when you're done but then there's also a don't like like stop and it might be better for you like i guess like stop and take care of your mental health like you've seen some of these athletes take a step back and it's tough for me to answer like what do you think about that because like you're not in their shoes but i don't i never would want to see an athlete not perform on the biggest stage or not perform into that spot where they they've earned with all the hard work because they can't um they can't put together what's going on in their head um and you almost have to be like picky with the words that you choose in this because it's such a sensitive topic but like We've talked about it, Ty. Remember, we talked about it with Nick Hardwick, football. He was a center for the San Diego Chargers for a while. And it's like, you'd like to see these people build the tools so that when they do get in this position or they're able to navigate it or they don't get in that position because they're very, very strong and and um, and the pressure doesn't get to them as much. But like, how do you how do you balance that line between push, push, push? Um, it'll be good for you. Or maybe take a step back. This isn't doing you any good. This is damaging you. Yeah, well, I think that a lot of people like they they want to put they want to put like how they look at themselves into like multiple buckets. Well, I'm a hockey player when I'm in hockey. I'm working out when I'm working out. Um, I'm this when I'm doing this. And it's like, no, dude, you're you're one piece of you're you're a whole pie. And you can't only work on one thing. It's kind of like a seesaw. If you only work on this thing, then something else is probably suffering because you're not giving time to this other thing over here, right? Like you're pushing it down and it's going up this way. So, you know, I I say all the time, like people always say, how do you get confidence? And I say confidence comes from preparation. And what is preparation? Well, preparation is looking at a piece of pie and then divvying up the slivers. You have to work on all the pieces. You have to work on the physical. You have to work on the mental. You have to work on recovery. You have to eat right and drink right. You know, and you got to sleep well. And then also, like, what are you taking in? What's the music you're listening to? Are you listening to Juice World, who just sings about drugs and suicide every song? If that's what you're listening to and that's what's going in your brain all the time, that is going to affect how you think at some some level, right? And, and so, like, dude, it would drive me nuts. Like, there's like, I, I don't let like the mumble rap shit in my gym. <laughs> Uh, when it's like that depressing stuff, yeah. you know, cause it's like, dude, you're listening to music that is literally depressing you. I don't care if you're dancing right now, those lyrics are going into your head. Like that's mm-hmm. an input, just like eating 50 cookies in a night is a bad input. So is music that depresses the shit out of you. And all these kids were listening to all that for a couple of years. And I was like, no, not in my gym. You're going to listen to stuff that doesn't immediately depress you. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that a lot of guys, they need to be proactive with their mental health, like you are proactive with your physical health. You need to be practicing gratitude 
every single day. You should be journaling, you know, every single day. You should be checking in with yourself. You should be talking to other people. I also think that every person, every athlete should see a sports psychologist that can. Every single athlete. And if they can't, man, there's so many books out there that you can read that will help you. And it's way cheaper than a sports psychologist, right? Like, like, uh, there's one that I read recently called, uh, RSF relentless solutions focus. And, um, you know, it's more of like, uh, a way to not allow like negative thoughts and feelings to like bog you down, uh, from this guy who's a sports psychologist who was with the Cardinals when they won the world championship, um, um, the MLB title, but, um, those types of practices, it's just like you warm up before you sprint. You know, you don't just get into sprinting. You do your warm ups first because, like, that's what you need to do to stay healthy. Well, you need to do these things for your mental health to stay healthy as well. And if your mental health suffers, your your physical health suffers as well, and vice versa. Your physical health suffers; it a hundred percent affects your mental health as well. Like everything is connected. So if you just try to do better in all areas of your life, like a little bit better in each area be more physical health, physically healthy, eat better foods because the gut is the second brain. And if you're putting shit into your gut, shit's going to your brain. And those are the thoughts that are coming out, right? Like you have to do all these things all the time and just focus on being healthy in multiple ways rather than just like, do I look good naked? Because that doesn't mean you're healthy. Right. Yeah. I, I love that. Might have yep. to come down this summer and uh, and do a little two week program. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime, bro. Anytime, um, man. Anytime. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, we. I mean, we've covered a fair amount, and Riles touched on it. Um, music, like you said, that you're not just a regular. Is, a question, is the question coming? You're, well, I'll you're... I'll ask the question, but I mean, you're not just a regular music listener. You listen with intent. You listen with you know, just like pure care. Um, I'm not saying that you need to know where the producer's from of that particular song, but like just the lyrics and, you know, the way that that song was made, what is a typical, you know, playlist or like, what, what are you listening to? What are you wanting these kids to, cause I couldn't agree more with it. I mean, don't get me wrong. Rest in peace, juice world. I mean, he's got some phenomenal music, but I couldn't, I couldn't agree more with you with what you actually do take in, in the music world. And I think, Unfortunately, our youth, for some reason, has this infatuation with, you know, in some respects, just mumble rap. <laughs> and I love rap, you know, like I, I love I love rap. I love Tupac. I love Biggie. Like I love old rap. Like I do respect the shit out of that genre of music. But you're right there. You should be listening to your music with intent. So back to my question, like, what do you listen to? Uh, I mean, I listen to all different genres, like all different genres, but like I try to listen to, and it doesn't mean I don't listen to Juice World every now and then. It doesn't mean that, but it's like the people who like strictly only listen to that depressing music or like, dude, if you're, if you're an inner city kid and you're listening to every song about dealing drugs and, and strippers and naked girls and, and killing people, like that's going to input your brain. Yeah. That's going to change how you view those things. Right. I think, I think the, the rap culture is doing us a serious disservice, just like, just like, you know, maybe eighties rock glorifying drugs like that. That wasn't good for youth to listen to either. You know, like that, that's not good, good by any means. It's the exact same thing. And I'm not saying never listen to songs like talk about that stuff. It doesn't mean you're going to do it if you listen to it, but it's just like, I don't know, listen to, to, to more music that like, like 
brings you up or the lyrics aren't about killing yourself or only doing drugs all the time. <laughs> you know, like, I'm, again, I'm not like some crazy, like I put on Christian rock only in the gym. Like <laughs> I'm not even religious, you know, that's not what it's about, but, but it's just like more like upbeat music, music that gets you going when, when it's needed. That doesn't, you know, I'll listen to relaxing music when it's time to relax as well. But, you know, I think that people, people know that when you eat bad food, you get fat you get diabetes, you get unhealthy, you're increasing your risk for cancer, you're increasing your risk for stroke, heart attack, yada, yada, yada. But they don't think about what they're watching on TV or YouTube or TikTok or who they're following on social media or, yeah. or the music they're listening to. And in today's age, with everybody being so connected to their phones, myself included, because that's what I use to get my message out and my business and all this stuff, like you've got to be mindful of what you're consuming. I tell, I give this speech to everybody and depending on the age is how I frame it. If they're like below 13, I don't say it this way, but all, cause I do lots of zoom calls with teams that'll have me talk to their teams and stuff and speeches in person. And I'm like, look, social media, you guys, you, I would say, how many of you want to play in the NHL? Every kid raises their hand, you know, all of them. Okay. All right. How many of you guys have social media? All of them raise their hand. All right. Well, you guys have an advantage above, you know, you know, Riley and myself that we didn't have that when we were younger. You guys have YouTube where you can look up stick handling drills, shooting drills. You can watch video of your favorite NHL player. You can watch NHL coaches demonstrating and talking about why to do this drill. The same on YouTube, but same on Instagram. You can follow me and watch how I train people for free every single day. Millionaires that pay me to get 1% more out of their body. You can do that. Follow me at Jeff Lovecchio. All right. <laughs> same as plug. <laughs> right? Like you can do those things. So like, if you're saying that you want to be blank, I don't care if it's, let's just use hockey, for example, you'll be a, well, follow, you know, guys like you two, follow me, follow, you know, Mike Boyle, follow strength coaches, follow nutritionists, follow sports psychologists, follow coaches, follow, yeah. uh, um, uh, uh, Anybody in any way that could help you be a better hockey player, and that should be 95% of your social media follows. And then if you want to follow Kim Kardashian's butt for 5%, I still wouldn't say you should do it. But like, I feel like kids have it flip-flop. They're following hot girls, taking stupid yeah. pics that do nothing. And people on there just flaunting money that they don't really have, taking pictures in front of cars that they rented. It's not real. <laughs> and it just puts all this wrong stuff in their head. Whereas if you followed the right people, you'd be way happier you'd be way healthier and you could be using your phone and social media to get better every day and be happier and healthier. So yeah. what you put into your brain matters just as much as what you're putting in your stomach. Does Kim Kardashian's butt have it, have its own exclusive <laughs> Instagram? <laughs> she's probably got 50 Instagrams for that thing. I don't know. I but don't know, man. Going, going back to the music thing, isn't, isn't it funny when like you get one of these rappers who's very like lyrical they come up with a song that's just so real and so like relatable to, to everybody all of a sudden, like it's their most popular song. It, it exceeds yeah. any song about like all the, the stuff that you're like, you're just talking to. So like, right. you know, it's in there, you know, your brain's like, right. Light bulb moment goes off and you're like, wow, this is it. But then it tricks yeah. you, right? It tricks you with all yeah. those other things that it wants. So. Um, kills me. Ty, kills me. Ty, let's let's end it with your if if with Jeff's music. Uh, okay, his yeah. his music. Adm yeah, you know what I'm getting at. No, I won't put you on a desert island. That's a little bit much. But uh, <laughs> um, you get one final artist. You get one final band. 
to see dead or alive like anybody in existence like Frank Sinatra like Johnny Cash like like Rihanna like who is it then you can add in a venue too and venue if you want yeah yeah sometimes it like man dude like Red Rocks MSG like you you said Queen live live aid right Queen live aid would be up there for me Ew, that's a good one. What, what's yours, Riley? While I'm oh, looking through my, I music. know, I don't even know. <laughs> like, you don't even have one. This is your show. No, I don't. I don't even. Ty, do you remember what I said? Guns and Roses. No, no, not Guns and Roses. I mean, I like Led Zeppelin or like a. My, I've gotten into Stevie Ray Vaughan. My dad's a big Stevie Ray Vaughan uh, in like Austin, well, Texas. So there's. Th- Mine changes every day depending on my mood. And I tell people all the time too, because they're like, they're like, you got one song listening. I'm like, dude, it depends on if I'm down and I need to be up in a minute, or if I'm like slowly building as the morning goes to like get my day going. Like, what do I have? But I would say uh I one song, there's a couple songs that I can put on where it doesn't matter how down I am, how tired I am, if I'm sick, if I'm tired, if I put on a couple of these songs that I know. Like I will immediately be in a better mood. I will be in a better place mentally and physically. Um, and so I, I guess I'll just give you a song. Um, what is it? It's uh, High on Life. You ever heard that song? High on Life. It's uh, it's an EDM song. And like I'm not a big EDM guy. Oh, but, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, Martin Garrix. Martin yes, Garrix, I, yeah. High on Life. If you, yeah. if you go to YouTube and you put in high on life and you, and you watch the YouTube video where it's in a concert where it's like an EDM concert. It looks like there's like a hundred thousand people. Like the lyrics of the song are super uplifting. Everybody there is like happy, having a good time. Everybody's hugging each other. It's like, I I would want to be in that crowd in that YouTube video for (laughs) that specific song because like, I just know, like I feel people's energy, you know, and the energy in that, in that it's outside. There's like, you know, the lights are going everywhere and the fireworks and everybody's happy. Everybody's hugging, everybody's bouncing to the music at the exact same time. A hundred thousand people. It's like that scene in the matrix where they're about to die and they all <laughs> dance to that last party. It's like that. Like, like I'm just like that, that spot right there. Like that's where I want to be. And I, I, because of my hockey career, I've never went to any of those like EDM concerts, but uh, I'm getting married um, this summer. And so we're going, we're going to EDC Vegas for my, Ooh. for my, uh, not, I'm not a bachelor party guy, but Damn. me and some of my buddies are going there <laughs> strictly just for like the end energy like i just want yeah. that energy in my life it's i've seen those videos for years and i've never been to one of those concerts and i was like man i gotta i gotta get to one of those so i guess it would just i, I couldn't give you an artist because i love music across all genres but i would i would say that music video i wish i could be in the crowd in that video <laughs> it was a pleasure to have you on my man and for anybody that didn't hear ryle said that we'll have to have you on again which we will but uh, yeah, truly, I, I thank you for what you're doing, especially in the youth hockey space, um, especially in, you know, growing the game in, in St. Louis. And and yeah, I mean, I think uh, it was I, I don't think Riley and I, you know, we knew of you and, and we were looking forward to the chat. But I think obviously, as always, it's always nice to just be able to like hear where this all started for you. And as you said, I mean, there has been very big hardships in your life and and what you're doing now you know, 
is is incredible. Um, so thank you so much again for you know coming on and sharing, especially about you know like I said, youth hockey. It's so important, and it's so important to have those messages you know be brought to our youth at these ages. So um, yeah, thank you again, my man. This episode is also brought to you by BioSteel, zero sugar, essential electrolytes, great taste, and pure hydration. Join the likes of Connor McDavid, Alec Manoa, Andrew Wiggins. Brooke Henderson, and Patrick Mahomes on the BioSteel train. It's time for you to try BioSteel with our SYM25 discount code that will get you 25% off at checkout. Yep, that's right. I will gladly attest to this being the best hydration drink on the market. SYM25 at checkout. 